Hey, it's Paul here. Before we get started with this episode, I want to share some exciting news about the podcast. As you likely can tell at Yippa, we're committed to inclusion and your personal and professional growth. And for the past few months, we've been working on something that's super exciting. I can't tell you what that is just yet, but when you check out the next episode on March 1st, I'll tell you all about it. But for now, on to the show. With people just like me who have grown from really disadvantaged background and education has given them wings to fly. Another thing that it would take beyond just advocacy is having an army of people like me move up into the corridors of power in Nigeria and say this is the change we want. We want a better nation and we are putting up ourselves to be of service to make Nigeria better. Hello, I'm Paul Munir, the Executive Director of the Youth Intervention Programs Association, and I'm a youth worker at heart. How lucky am I? I have the privilege to meet youth workers from around the globe and learn their stories and share them with the entire world. I'm glad you're listening because together we'll learn how their life experiences shape their youth work. As you listen, I encourage you to consider how your experiences shape what you have to offer young people. Welcome to this edition of The Passionate Youth Worker. Hi, everybody. For this episode, we're joined by Joshua Alade from West Yorkshire in England. Joshua is a Chevening Scholar and a master's student at the University of Bradford. He is the executive director of Nigeria Youth Sustainable Development Goals Network and is extremely passionate about making a difference in the world. Joshua, thanks for being a guest and sharing your story on the podcast. Thank you so much, Paul. Excited to be here and let's make this happen. You're welcome. I am excited to learn more about you and your story, Joshua. You're in England right now, but your work thus far has mainly focused on helping young people in Nigeria. How did you end up in West Yorkshire? For me, it was more of trying to get better in my work with young people and advocating for meaningful youth engagement in Nigeria and also talking about positive youth development. And this was how I applied for the Shevening Scholarship Award to be able to afford a master's degree in, in the UK. And uh, you know, the United Kingdom has uh, one of the best education system in the world. After applying for the scholarship, I guess they like my story. They were also in awe of the work that I have done in Nigeria over the past five years. And they're like, yeah, you are like, yeah, a young leader that we should invest in. Come over to the UK and we'll teach you more around policy development, how to network, how to build, how to build yourself as a leader and also how to have the right connection to further the work that you are doing back home in Nigeria. That's how I ended up in the UK. <laughs> well, congratulations on your scholarship. That's quite a big deal. And I'm certain it's going to propel you forward in a lot of great ways. And they saw some potential in you and I see the potential in you. And I think you have wonderful opportunities in front of you. And I know you're going to do great things. But let's start with just backing up a little bit. Did you know you always wanted to be involved in youth work? Growing up, no, <laughs> at first, because 
Like, I didn't even know what youth work was. I didn't know what youth work was. I grew up, found myself working in the church, at the junior church in back home in Nigeria. I was a Sunday school teacher. Then I also worked um, with the house fellowship that's after church. And that was how it started off for me. But later on in university, I, I just knew that what I really want to do is be a youth worker. And it, it didn't sound so like, it didn't sound like I want to be a medical doctor or I want to be a, a neurosurgeon or I want to be an engineer. It was just different. Like, how do you say you want to grow up to be a youth worker? But that's what I have been doing over the past five years of my life. And it's been exciting for me so far. What is it about youth work that those experiences that you've gone through attracted you to want to be good at this and try to make a big impact? Okay, great question, Paul. First is the fact that as a youth worker, I'm actually investing in the future of the present generation and also the future generation. I have this perfect opportunity to be able to guide and mentor young people based on the experiences that I have had growing up and then most of the things that I have missed out on, things that I felt that a youth worker would have taken me through that didn't happen. And that's why I, I am a youth worker and that's why I am doing the work that I do. I want to be able to shine the light in someone's path. I want somebody to be able to look back and say, because I met Joshua, I am able to go after my dream. Because I met Joshua, I never gave up. And that's what's inspiring my work in the youth development space. That's great. You made Joshua. And I think that's awesome. Was school easy for you when you were younger? Uh, no, it wasn't easy for me. It wasn't easy. I, in fact, I did not start my primary education until I was eight. And this was because my parents were too poor to afford to send me to mm. school. I am so grateful to God because one of my uncle, uh, my mom's younger brother, actually brought me, uh, put me into school. I had to live with his family and it was a beautiful experience for me. I went through my primary education and my secondary school education because of the opportunity that he gave to me. So that was it for me. I went to a public primary school and a public secondary school. It was beautiful for me. Getting to the university, it's another ball game entirely because I had to save my way. I had to pray my way, I had to work my way to making sure that I get a university education because I grew up seeing people who had gone to the university and how beautiful their life had turned out. And I told myself that I wouldn't stop in a secondary school education. I need to get the university degree because for most of the people that I have met, they are better off because they went to the university. Education is a life changer for sure. Your parents, was it hard for them to let you go live with your uncle? Did they see that as an opportunity and willingly allow you to go live with him? I think they were willing and they saw it because they saw it as an opportunity for me to have a better life. Most times when I speak with my siblings now, they tell me to say, Joshua, you are different. And I know it was difficult because there was a time my mom, she would always come visiting every weekend. If she can't come every weekend, she will come once every month. And for me as a child, because I was so curious about the world, about a new environment, I really did not miss home that much. I didn't miss home that much. I know that for my mom, it was really difficult for her to let me go. But she saw it as an opportunity for her last 
child get an education to grow up in a better environment because where my parents were living is a very tough area in Lagos. It's called Bolade Oshodi. Like if you Google Bolade Oshodi, it's known for different various kinds of crimes and a lot of other things that happen on the street. And So you had some siblings. Did your siblings get the opportunity to get involved with school too, or have they not had that option? So my elder siblings were able to go to, they they were able to make it through um, their secondary school education. I draw a lot of inspiration from my brother. He's late now because for him, education was really very important. He, He had to leave home. He left home on his own accord because my parents couldn't afford to send him to a secondary school. He left home to to go stay with an uncle thousands of kilometers away from where my parents were. And that was where he got his sorry, secondary school education just by sheer um, resilience and perseverance. Yeah. So he's someone that really inspires me. Even right now, I thought about him and I'm like, I'm doing this for you, Yusuf. That's his name. I'm like, I'm doing this. I'm getting a master's degree for you too. That's great. And do you still talk to your mom and dad quite a bit? Yeah, I speak with my dad. My mom is late. She died about mm. 11 years mm. ago. So sometimes I think about my life and I tell myself that everything I am today is because my mom didn't give up on me. Her biggest dream was for me to uh, go to the university. And... So happy I was able to go. Like, um, I know that if she's alive today, she'll, she'll be so proud, really proud of me. That's Joshua. That's what I was going to say. I bet you your mother would be so proud of you, and I bet your father is as yeah. well. And to think about Joshua, and I've had the opportunity to get to know you a little bit more than what some of our listeners have had the chance to, you have huge aspirations to change the world and to change policies for young people. And she's only going to get more and more proud of you every day. And I am so grateful that your mother saw potential in you and was willing to let you go live with your uncle because she knew that was the best opportunity for you. What a wonderful gift she gave to you. Yeah. I remember one time um, when I was in the university and I was so broke. I didn't know what to do. That was my first year in the university. And, and this was when she was really ill. And I didn't have money. So I just called her. I went to their house and I told her, I'm really sorry you are sick and I am so broke, I can't help you. And she was like, don't worry. If you go to the store, top of the fridge, you would see a container. There are two containers inside one container. Pick them out. I've been keeping some money for you. Use it to do whatever you want to do. And I, every time I think about that scenario, I'm like, this woman is on her deathbed and she still was able to, it, it's not a lot of money, but for me, it was the whole world. It was so much. 
And this is one memory of her that I really treasure. And I hope that when I become a dad too, I can do the same thing for my children. She sounds like a beautiful person. I'm so sorry for your loss. So your sibling said, Joshua, you're so different now that you're in college. <laughs> How has your education changed you, Joshua? What things are different for you now? My education has made me see that all you just need is a dream, a determination, and a good heart to make a difference in the world. It made me see that no matter how difficult it might be, if you just have that determination and you say, I really want to make change happen, doors will open up for you. It has also made me see how I can better contribute to my country. Because I tell myself, if I never went to school, a lot of things that I have been able to do in Nigeria, especially when it comes to youth work, especially when it comes to supporting people who have aspirations to get into youth work or volunteers will never have happened. So my education has given me wings to fly. It has also given me this sheer um, belief in myself as a person that I matter and that I am in this world to make great things happen. Good for you for taking this opportunity and running with it for all it's worth. The education has given you wings to fly is a beautiful way to look at what has been presented to you. And I know you take that so seriously and want so bad to make an impact on other people. Where does that passion to help other people come from, Joshua? My passion to help people comes from my mom. I, I grew up seeing my mom help people. She used to run this roadside canteen where she sells food. And I remember one time, a man, someone who is mad, like everybody knows that this person is mad. And the man would always come every morning to my mom's store and with plates and say, give me food. And she just dishes out food to him. And sometimes he comes, I don't have soup. And then she goes get soup for this person. And like, why are you helping this man? Nobody wants to associate themselves with him. They know that he's a trouble within this um, community. And she says, if nobody helps him, I am somebody that God has sent to help him. This is something I grew up seeing her do. I've watched my mom go out of her way to help people, even when she's at a place of discomfort. She, she just reaches out to help. And my uncle and his wife, they are both ministers and I've seen them also go out of their way to support people, sometimes keeping up late nights, trying to visit people in the hospital, trying to support someone with their education. And I've seen them give of the little that they have to support other people. And I told myself that this is the life I want to live. At one point, I thought being a medical doctor was going to be it because I wanted to help people, doctors helping people. But... I'm doing youth work right now, and I'm helping people, so it's the same thing. <laughs> yeah, and, and you can help people just as much. Yeah. You can keep young people alive by doing youth work without question, same as a medical doctor can. We don't often think about like how big of an impact we have in young people, but that's very true. Do you still see your uncle, Joshua? No, I saw my uncle just three times in the last 
five years. I saw him twice in between 2020 and 2021. Got it. Well, Joshua, it's hard to believe we're at a point in the podcast where we have to take a break. But when we come back, I have a lot more I would like to ask you about what you'd like to achieve now that you've given these wings to fly. So we'll be right back. No matter how you support our young people, the professional youth worker powered by Yippa has your training and learning needs covered. Visit training.yippa.org. That's training.yipa.org to see for yourself and then join the thousands of youth workers around the globe who learn from our easy-to-access exceptional trainings. From our blogs to our podcast, the professional youth worker is your go-to resource for tools to help you keep going, keep learning, and keep growing. Members enjoy free unlimited access to live online and on-demand trainings and a preferred discount pricing for our one-of-a-kind certificate course. Annual memberships are ridiculously affordable for individuals and organizations. Visit training.yipa.org today to learn more. That's training.yipa.org. Joshua, right before the break, I was asking you about what you'd like to see accomplished, and I know you have big goals. And you work on policy change. You love doing the advocacy work to try to develop systems that will help young people. If you could change one thing right now, what policy would that be? What would you like to see happen? I would like to see people back home in Nigeria, especially from disadvantaged background, get more access to quality education, and which would also lead to them having decent work. That's something I want because I've seen the transformative power of education in my own life. It's something that a lot of young people in Nigeria have not had the opportunity for. I want the government to move up the needle in respect to financing for education. Currently, it's at 5%. I want to see it at 25%. I want to see it at 30% because in that way, more people can be able to have the right quality education and transform life. What do you think it's going to take from you to convince these leaders, these lawmakers, these politicians to pay attention to what you're talking about? Consistent advocacy, showing stories of the transformative power of education with people just like me who have grown from really disadvantaged background and education has given them wings to fly. Another thing that it would take beyond just advocacy is having an army of people like me move up into the corridors of power in Nigeria and say this is the change we want. We want a better nation and we are putting up ourselves to be of service to make Nigeria better. Joshua, in the United States, people who work with young people these days are impressed with the current generation of young people. They're very socially active. They're very engaged in the world in terms of poverty and in terms of climate and in terms of equity. What do you think about the young people in Nigeria? Are they ready to take on what you're hoping to see happen? Are there a lot of people willing to join you and follow you to make some of these things happen? Yes. Yes, there are a lot of people who are willing to make this change happen. And what they just need is the opportunity. 
as young people, we already know that nobody's going to give us the opportunity. We've seen it over the past four, five, six years of our lives everywhere in the world. Nobody gives young people the opportunity. So we need to stand up. We need to make a demand to be at the table. Um, we need to also develop our own capacity to lead. We need to brush up our knowledge when it comes to leadership, when it comes to policy and making change happen. That's the only way. When somebody does not give you the opportunity, you need to be able to come up with superior arguments. And that comes with education, learning and being mentored on what to do and how to do it. I'm grateful that you are trying to lead that charge. As we've been getting to know each other, we've talked a lot before we started recording this podcast episode. And you mentioned that you're pretty much an introvert. How does an introvert want to lead an army of people to facilitate change? So it's just so funny because I'm a last born and last borns are not so, supposed to be an to be introvert. So I would say I'm in the middle. Sometimes it's easier for me to, from a vantage point, see problems and the solutions to those problems. And I am able to walk around people that would make it happen. And that's what has inspired the work that I do at Nigerian Youth SDGs Network, um, basically about championing change, um, local accountability for the sustainable development goals. I saw what the challenges were for youth um, when it comes to working within the UN system in Nigeria, working with private sector organization and international nonprofits. And I have been able to strategically position an organization that in less than four years to, to start working on policies for Nigeria, to start demanding for change. That's my superpower, being able to stand from the back, watch what's happening and move forward with everyone to make change happen. That's awesome, Joshua. Do you ever find that you have moments of self-doubt or are you just crystal clear about what needs to happen and what your role in that is going to be? So, yeah, everyone, like for me, most especially, I have that point when I ask myself, what are you doing? Do you think this is possible? I remember I watched a, a YouTube video I made in 2017 or 20, no, in 2018, where I was talking about some plans that were supposed to happen in 2019. And this was me in 2020 watching it. Yes, everything I said was going to happen, happened. What gave you the audacity? What gave you the right to think what you thought and made it happen? So yes, I have self-doubt. And when the doubts come up, I, I just get to work. That's the only way I am able to, to let them go. And then now, when those doubts also come, I remind myself, Joshua, you've done X, Y, Z. If you can do it, then you can do more. When you have those moments of doubt, do you have people you talk to to regain your focus or to help you get through those points? Or how do you manage those moments of where the clarity isn't quite as bright? The first thing I do is pray. I have this awesome relationship with God. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm a Christian, so I pray. Of my ideas, I always say they are inspired by the Holy Spirit. Even when I do not know how clear they are, what I just do after praying is I call my wife. She's Adenike. She's just she knows how to build my ideas and make them look 
amazing. So whenever I am, I don't know what to do, but this is the idea. I just share it. I'm like, hi, babe, this is the plan. So it's like, okay, let's do it this way. What do you think? And I'm like, what you are saying is the right thing. Let's do it. And it just becomes so beautiful with her coming in. And I'm so grateful that she's in my life. I'm so grateful because she's someone who God has used to to put a lot of structure and perspective to everything that I am becoming right now. Uh, your wife sounds wonderful too. You've had some wonderful women in your life. <laughs> yes, I have. I have been lucky. I have three awesome sisters and my wife, she's the icing on the cake. Yeah. Your spiritual beliefs, your Christianity is really important to you. I know that. Where did that come from? Where did you get exposure to faith, God, and religion? It was when I went to live with my uncle. Growing up as a child, I usually sing in my, um, that's when I was living with my parents, I usually sing and my songs were more of trying to connect to some higher power, which I didn't know what it was. So when I went to live with my uncle, I saw them go to church, I saw them pray, and I saw everything, like if there's an issue, they would always go to God in prayer. And at one point in my life, I'm like, this is the right thing to do. I like, I've seen evidence of every one of these things work for them. They are praying and all. And I decided to go on a personal journey myself. I remember sitting down somewhere. I used to run a bookstore after my secondary school education and just sitting there in that bookstore and I'm just, I just told God, dear Lord, I just want to walk with you. I need you to guide me and I need you to order my steps. And that was how my relationship of faith started booming. It's wonderful that you have that. Doing what you want to do takes a lot of dreaming and a lot of visionary kind of perceptions of what the world could be like. What kind of things cause you to have despair when you start thinking about what could be? What obstacles do you face? What things that make you think, oh, boy, this is going to be difficult or this is going to be the biggest challenge? What are some of those things? I don't see obstacles. Most times I see opportunities and... I just tell myself, what can we do? Every time there's an issue, there's a challenge, I just ask myself, what can be done? I start thinking about it. Like, for instance, when COVID happened in, to young, young people in Nigeria, and a lot of people were scared, what do we do? The next thing I thought about, I spoke to my team. I said, what do we need to do right now? People are scared. How can we inspire hope? It led us to come up with this publication that we call, we called it COVID Positive Stories. Because... When there's a story about, oh, you, you are positive for COVID, so you have to isolate. So we came up with these stories of action of young people taking positive action against COVID. People were making and uh, giving out nose masks. People were making hand sanitizers. People were running food banks. And we used this as an opportunity to inspire other young people that even in the midst of this pandemic, you can actually do something positive. And it, it also was what led us to with the Federal Ministry of Youth and Sports in Nigeria and the United Nations Department for Economic and Social Affairs to work on the Nigerian Youth Employment Action Plan as a policy document by the Nigerian government to support young people 
in the light of COVID-19, especially those who have lost their livelihoods and employment. When you think about your life and your situation growing up as you did, and now the opportunities in front of you, do you have like a life motto or words you live by that keep you so grounded and centered? I tell myself that if Joshua, if you have this slight picture of a better life, always make sure you hold it tight with super glue in your hand. And every day, every month, every year, I see something small, make it bigger, hold it close to you. This is going to be life transforming. This is going to be a game changer. I, I would remember, for instance, when I finished my youth service and I had to go back home. Um, so the youth service is a one-year program for graduates of higher institution in Nigeria, whereby you go to another state to, to serve your fatherland. And when I got back home, what am I going to do next? I started volunteering for a nonprofit. And from there, I started learning how to write grants. I wrote the first grant for them. It was $5,000, and this was 2015. Year 20, I was like, if I could do this, it means that I can do more. It has started opening more doors for me. And it's also what inspires the work I do and the way I live my life. Every time I see a slight picture of a better life, I hold it tight. I dream about it until I make it happen. It's a wonderful metaphor about holding the picture of what you see in the future and holding it with super glue in your hand so that it never slips away. That's a wonderful way yeah. to, to think about it. Joshua, I'm so glad that we've got to meet, and I'm so glad that you're doing what you do. The world is in desperate need of people with your passion and your commitment, and our young people everywhere, I believe, are someday going to be better off because of you and because of your ability to drive change and to hold on to that picture of what the world could be and never let go of it. So. Thank you for the work you do, and thank you for being a guest on the podcast. Thank you so much, Paul. Um, it's been a joy and an honor to be here. Feeling is mutual. What words of wisdom or inspiration would you like to leave with our listeners today, Joshua? So the word of wisdom I would like to leave with everyone is the same word I say to myself every time there's an opportunity. If you have a slight picture of a better life, if you have a slight picture of something that's going to make you better as an individual, please hold it tight. Don't let it slip from you. Don't listen to anybody telling you it's not going to happen. Don't listen to the doubts in your head. Just hold it tight because they are going to happen. If you would like to share your passion for youth work, we'd love to spotlight you as a guest. If you have feedback about the show, please let us know. Just visit training.yipa.org. That's training.yipa.org and click on the podcast tab. This podcast is made possible in part due to a generous contribution from M Health Fairview. I'm your host, Paul Munir. Thanks for listening to The Passionate Youth Worker. 